0: It's the Andy Thompson Show on ESPN 97.7. keep by our good friends at Ideal Home and Auto Paint. Bring it on, Lawrence. What do we got, buddy? The hole. Sports, 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 sports. Two-minute drill presented by Ideal Home and Auto Paint. Up and under for Taylor. Showtime puts it down. Oh, and Mackey. Roberts, three-quarter court. Heave Let's do it. We got a game night in Southern Utah High School Hoops. Snow Canyon Lady Warriors taking on the Cedar City Reds. That's the number two team in the state versus the number three team in the state. Larry, looking forward to that.
1: Who you got tonight in Region 9 Girls Hoops? Sporty?
0: Thank you, Sambo. I don't know. Last time this was a six-point game up in Iron County. Snow Canyon's going to be favored in this game. Cedar's really good. You know, Cedar, going back five years, they won back-to-back championships in, what, 19 and 20 or something like that? And then it's been kind of back and forth between the Cache Valley Schools and the St. George Schools trading off titles. Last year it was Ridgeline, the year before it was Desert Hills, the year before it was Skyview, and then Cedar won a couple times. Will it be a Region 19 this year? Well, heck, we hope so. And we're looking forward to getting a good look at uh, not only Olivia Hamlin, who is the... Caitlin Clark of Region 9 hoops, if not the whole state, uh, but also Kelly Howard, Joey Jensen, some of these other stars for Snow Canyon that have contributed to their huge success over the last few years. And Olivia's just a junior. And, I, and I'm hoping for um, a showdown in the state tournament. And if they remain number one and number two seeds, it would have to be in the state championship game. And that would be the Ridgeline Riverhawks with uh, Emily Skinner versus the Snow Canyon Warriors with Olivia Hamlin. How great would that be? So we'll have our pregame coverage starting at 6.50. Carrick Segmiller will have the call for you in the jungle tonight. We appreciate Snow Canyon for hosting us tonight for our ideal home and auto paint game of the night. Uh, game of the night, excuse me, girl soups. hoops. Cedar and Snow Canyon. Region Rush, Hurricane Tigers wrestlers. We had Caden Anderson and Branson Hawkins in studio today. We'll be releasing that tomorrow. Talking their first region wrestling championship in 19 years at Hurricane High. We talked about it last week. They did good in the divisionals. They're now going to state up at UVU on February 16th and 17th. So not this weekend, but the next weekend they'll be competing for uh, state championship. So congratulations to Coach Armstrong and the Hurricane Tigers and Marcus Matua and the whole athletic department at Hurricane High. And wrestling is a sport for men. And when I was in high school, I didn't even think about going out for wrestling. I had a couple brothers who wrestled, and they were men. They would go and practice. First of all, I was talking to the to, – um, to Branson and Caden and I was saying, what do you do? What, tell me about practice on a Monday. What do you do? He says, oh, we run three miles and then we practice. <laughs> we run three miles and then we go full hog on each other for you know the rest of practice training. And so these are the best, most endurance, whatever. They, underrated. We think about um, track guys or cross country guys. Basketball players, soccer players, as far as endurance. Wrestling underrated in that regard. You got to go full bore every cell in your body, giving everything you got for two minutes straight for these rounds of wrestling three times, unless you pin somebody. So I have a massive respect for wrestlers and massive respect for the Hurricane Tigers because they're the region champs this year. Wish them well at state and the region rush presented as always by our good friends at the Matt Hickman team at Academy Mortgage. Sport holders. Time for Who You Crappin'? Who You Crappin'? Brought to you by our good friends at Nets on Fire. NetsonFire.org, the top basketball training facility in all of Southern Utah. Check out Nets on Fire at the Be More Sports Complex. You got the rink up there, you got the grip, you have every Intermountain Sports Performances up there. That's the place to be at Southern Utah if you've got a kid or wanting to improve your strength and agility, among other things. Netsonfire.org, proud sponsor of Region Nine Athletics. All right, who do we got, Larry? Who are you crapping, by the way? A shout out to Terry Bors, WSCR the score, my hero. We are looking at Las Vegas Mayor Carolyn Goodman, right, Larry? Yes. Okay, let's take a look at uh, Carolyn Goodman, what she said, and then we'll make fun of it.
2: He had entertained them down here. We have very she, large... She's
0: talking about the Oakland A's Brass. She's talking about Fisher and uh, Cable, right? He
2: had entertained them down here. We have a very large complex, probably about 60 acres. We probably could cobble together more land so they could possibly have 100 acres, And it's in the historic old part of town, which is where all major interstate highways come together. We have seven access points to it. It is in an opportunity zone. There are all these benefits. They
0: don't care. And so
2: when they said no, I thought, hmm. This doesn't make sense. Here's a great site. They can get a great price on it because it's owned by the city. We went out to reach for them and yet, no, they're going to go out, want to get closer to the strip with all the congestion and everything. And I thought this does not make sense. And so why is it happening? And then I thought, well, because they really want to stay in Oakland, they want to be on the water. They have that magnificent um, dream and yet they can't get it on.
0: It's all pie in the sky. They don't want to be in Oakland. They want to get the heck out of Oakland. The mayor in Oakland, all the politicians and all the saying, hey, you got to pass this environmental test and this water thing and we want you to do it here and we're not going to fund it and bleep off is basically what Oakland said. The A's tried a lot of different ways. The A's fans wanted them to try to make it work. Uh, Fisher was like, look, nobody comes to our games. They came to one game last year to protest. They said, we're going to show you. We're going to sh- actually show up once in an 81-game home game season. We're going to come to one of your games. They don't want to be in Oakland at all. They came to Las Vegas. Las Vegas made it very easy. The legislator passed it in two seconds, and you are pushing this idea that they don't want to come because they didn't pick your site that was owned by the city and it would have made uh, much more money for you. Instead, they wanted to be on the Strip. They wanted to bulldoze the Tropicana and put it in the heart of where all the action is, which I understand there's going to be a lot of chaos and congestion and traffic and it's going to be a nightmare to get there, but it's a cool little spot I think for a little baseball stadium that I think that they'll be able to get to 80% capacity on a daily basis on the Strip. Las Vegas Mayor Carolyn Goodman, who are you crapping? Mm. Of course they want to come to Las Vegas. Did I touch all the points there, Larry? No. I mean, the idea that this is just a ruse, a bargaining chip, that they're playing against, the Oakland negotiations are dead. The mayor in Oakland has shut them down. The city count, they all know they're leaving and everybody's leaving Oakland. And it's a travesty. But it's because of the politics and the politicians not kowtowing to the billionaires. If you want sports teams, swallow your pride and kowtow to the billionaires. They're not going to do charity. They're not going to give you a hometown discount. They're not going to do anything except build a big huge multi-billion dollar stadium because that's all they care about and if you're not going to facilitate that they're going to leave that's the lesson we've learned in the 21st century they're gone they're going to go build a stadium with somebody who wants to build it for them and las vegas will build you a stadium in about two weeks and they'll fund it with the tourist tax money so carolyn goodman who are you crapping oh, i already said that mm. The sport hole. Sports, 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 sports. Awesome. Or again. Throwing it down. That's his third 30-point game of the year as he goes over 30 again. Who you got tonight in
1: Region 9 Girls Hoops? Sporty?
0: Mm-hmm. Sorry. Go ahead, Larry. Or Sambo. Sambo, right? Yes. All right. Go ahead, Sambo.
1: Who is the coach of the year in Utah College Hoops so far,
0: Sportface? Sportface? Sport <laughs> face. Great question. This is splitting hairs. It's between Pope and it's between Sprinkle. And let me, before I answer the the question, it's supposed to generate an argument here. Let me say about Sprinkle, what I said about Sprinkle when they hired him, which is he's not going to be long in the tooth in Cash Valley. He's gone. If they go to the tournament, He's probably gone. If they win a game in the tournament, he's for sure gone. And this is why if you're Utah State, you go with somebody who's on the stew moral end of their career where they've been to a couple of schools. They come and fall in love with Logan. They have some success. And then they want to stay there for 15 years. The problem with an up-and-comer like Sprinkle, and I know he's like 45, but he wants to go coach a big-time program in California, or he'll go anywhere at this point in his career. If he does what I think he's going to do this year, which is take a a program who has returned zero points from last year. That one guy on their roster scored a point last year's team. If he takes them to the tournament and wins the game, let's say, which they're probably slated to do as a sixth seed. They'll be the favorite in their first game they play. He's gone, and it sucks for Utah State fans, and it sucks for Utah State basketball. But this is why when they were considering the coach, I said, get somebody. Get somebody. If you want a name, get a name, but get a a coach who's 54-plus who wants to retire in Logan, Utah, Otherwise, you're going to be chasing down these young whippersnappers every other year, Larry. So, you know, it's a blessing and a curse how well they're doing. They're on top of uh, the Mountain West right now playing really good basketball and winning in a way that they didn't win last year. They're playing a completely different game than they played last year and still winning. So when you contrast what Sprinkles doing with what Pope is doing, Sprinkle has zero guys back from last year and is playing a completely different style of basketball where they don't just jack up three. Pope is playing with everybody he had last year, except Rudy, right? Maybe one other guy. He's playing with everybody he had last year, and he's playing in a completely different way and winning. Four and four right now in the Big 12. They're one and a half point dogs in Norman tonight, but that's a game they can probably win because they take their three ball with them pretty much wherever they go. So the answer to your question, uh, Sambo, is it's got to be Pope. I'm sorry, Aggie fans. I love Sprinkle. I love what he's doing. It's impressive. How do you do that? How did you bring Osabor from uh, from the big sky to the Mountain West, a better basketball conference? And he's the best player in the dang country. Osabor was a top five dude in the whole country in January. The unique player he is, especially this day and age. Phenomenal. 32 Analytics has Osibor, a top five player in the country, in January. Number one was Zach Eady from Purdue. Number two was Dalton Necht from Tennessee, who everybody thinks is a Final Four team this year. Number three was Johnny Broom from Auburn. Number four was Darren Holmes II from Dayton. And number five was Great Osibor. So that's that's awesome when you have a guy like that. Um, so I'm going with Pope. <laughs> I don't know why I went on this Osibor thing. I'm going with Pope because he's in the Big 12. They're overachieving. They're four and 4 they just went on the road and won against West Virginia. Um, I think they're going to win. I mean, I think they're going to be. If if you win nine games in the Big Twelve, you're going to the tournament. And I think that they're going to do that, even though they've got they've got a winnable next few games coming up. We went over it uh, yesterday, right? So I think you got to go with Pope pending the rest of the season. Here's what I wanted to say about Utah State, real quick, Larry. Is they've got Nevada tonight. I believe they're five and a half point favorites at the Spectrum. They ain't going to lose because they don't lose at home. Here's here's Sean Harrison from the Herald Journal on their podcast up in Cache Valley talking about the matchup tonight.
1: And Nevada's a dangerous team. I mean, they're seventeen and five. They've they've had a rough go. They're four and four in conference play, but. Man, they're they're actually. I mean, Blackshear and Lucas and and that Davidson kid, and they got Foster coming off the bench and Macintosh. It's a senior. Australian for beer. Uh, they've got six seniors on that team that have played some good <laughs> basketball. Well, they got the Aggies tonight and
2: the yeah. That's himself. who
1: the Aggies okay. play tonight. Um, Big week for the Aggies. Two home games against the upper echelon. They play Nevada tonight, and then Boise State. On-
0: okay, uh, that was that was uh, Sean Harrison with the Herald Tribune. Now let's go back to his his co-host. There puts in a Foster's Australian for beer joke, which Harrison rightly just kind of brushes right past. Watch this pro move by Harrison. How he handles this.
1: The Australian for beer. Uh-huh.
0: They've got six seniors on that. The seniors. Australian for beer. Uh-huh. They've got six uh-huh. seniors on that. <laughs> uh, here's what. Um, here's what Sprinkle said. I've been talking about Stu Morrill and how you need a guy who's content and Logan. Here's what Sprinkle said about Stu Morrill. He's not just the best coach here at Utah State. He's one of the best coaches ever. In Division One history, his name should be up there with Coach Kays and, and Bayheims. He was that good, and he was good everywhere he was at. And the way he won, that's probably the most impressive. He did it in places like this where he coached the hell out of guys. And it's a tremendous honor to be coaching here, knowing he coached here before me. Morrill went to the tournament eight times, which is amazing. And he won the the whack a ton. And if he didn't win the regular season, he'd win the the tournament a lot. Uh, Did he win a... I don't know that he won a tournament game, Larry. Look that up, will you? Yes. I don't think he did. Not good, but... Uh, Utah State fans mock Morrill because he always got to his 20-win-a-year kind of benchmark to get his bonus. But he scheduled a bunch of pissants in the non-conference. They don't allow that crap anymore in the Mountain West. You've got to schedule people. It's all about the group. It's all about the collective increasing the conference as a whole net ranking. And that's why they're going to have four or five teams in the tournament potentially this year, which is remarkable. So I'm going, I'm going, I love Sprinkle, but I'll go with Pope. BYU was picked to finish 13th out of 14 teams in the Big 12. And right now they're fifth or whatever. Utah State was picked to finish ninth of 11. And they're top the rankings right now in the Mountain West. So maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it should be Sprinkle, Larry. Do you think it should be Sprinkle? Yes. Over Pope right now? All right. So we split there. I'm just saying because Pope's in the big, bad, big 12 with the best conference in the country for basketball. And he's holding his own and all that stuff. So, great argument. Hey, hey, Sambo, great job. That's a great argument. Great question on the Sports Talk Radio show. Um, next topic. What do we got? Oh, we got... Oh, sorry. I almost forgot. BYU uh, plays Oklahoma... Oklahoma's is one and a half point uh, favorites at home, and BYU can go win this game. BYU can go and make ten plus threes. You can almost count on them making ten plus threes. I don't know what Khalifa's situation is. I don't think he's playing tonight. I thought I thought I saw something where he wasn't in walkthrough or something. Um, but Treori was awesome in their last game. I think they can out rebound Oklahoma and i think they can outshoot them and their defense has been pretty good so who the heck knows and they and they don't turn the ball over a lot they're playing amazing basketball right now and pope is just so relaxed and content in his life when he's at these postgame press conferences he's just sitting back arms folded he's wearing glasses he's i don't know why the glasses matters but he's just chill He's enjoying his time. He loves his life right now. And contrast that with last year, where he was stressed the heck out. He's like, We suck. We can't win. We can't beat Santa Clara at home. He was at hell last year. This year, he's much happier. And it's, I like Pope, so it's fun to see. And I think they can go and win tonight. Is that game on uh, just ESPN Plus? You can also listen on uh, 890 KDXU, our sister station. I don't know anything about Oklahoma, except they're another good Big 12 team. They've won 16 games this year. All right. Sorry, Larry. Fire away. Hey, will you cut the malarkey? There's a white man talking. Social justice. It's like somebody threw away a perfectly good white boy. Yay, yay.
1: Who you got tonight in Region 9 girls? Judas
0: Priest Sambo.
1: Who is the coach of the... What did you think of Goodell's comments on the Rooney Rule sport
0: hole? Goodell's comments on the Rooney Rule. Go ahead. Your first part of the question was on the Rooney Rule and the, the Patriots. Uh, I also don't take the the same approach um, that that just was done to skirt the Rooney Rule. Uh, Robert Kraft made that commitment a year ago in the contract with, with Gerard <coughs> Mayo, said that if Bill Belichick's not the head coach, you will be the head coach. All right. Um, I don't know what the Gerard Mayo thing has to do with what, uh, with the question, but the Rooney rule is dumb and it's been well-intentioned, but it also, like I've said before, and it also puts black coaches in this position to be, you know, the it's so disingenuous, I guess is my point. Like, the defensive coordinator at Detroit, Aaron Glenn, and Ben Johnson. Let's see. The commanders wanted to hire Ben Johnson, the O.C. at Detroit. They're flying out to interview Ben Johnson. And while they're out there, they're like, oh, and we also want to interview you, Coach Glenn. The subtext being, because you're black and because it'll fulfill our token Rooney Rule obligation to interview a minority coach. So what position does that put Coach Glenn in? You're, you're just doing it for to fulfill this stupid Rooney Rule thing. Now, I want to be even-handed here, Larry, and say I wonder if we talk to some black coaches and minority coaches, if they would say, "Well, it is, it can be whatever. You can feel tokened or whatever, but." I got an interview, and I got my name out there, and maybe I wouldn't have got it, and so two years down the line, I was kind of in the interview pool, and maybe it helped me get a job. Maybe they would say that. I know Ron Rivera has come out and said it's dumb, and um, who was the other coach I was just reading today saying it is past time for it to still be going on? But Goodell says, no, it's still good to have and, you know, we're still going to do it. The reason why I'm talking about it is because the America First legal group is filing a complaint against the NFL. So here's the quote here. AFL senior advisor Ian Pryor released a statement about the complaint, which reads in part, quote, every year during this time, NFL teams must follow the Rooney rule and interview prospective coaches and executives, not because of their skill and hard work, but because of the color of their skin. This process is not only insulting and condescending to prospective coaches who are merely interviewed to check a box, but it is also the exact kind of racial balancing that the Supreme Court of the United States has unequivocally denounced as a legal and anathema to equal protection under the law. So it's it's they're saying it's like the uh, college is an affirmative action, which the Supreme Court just ruled on was against the Constitution. Then this is from uh, the AP. According to the 2023 racial and gender report card from LAP Institute, two-thirds of players in the NFL, 66.7% are minorities, With 53.5% being black, those percentages don't reflect the percentage of minority and black head coaches. But progress is being made. There are six black head coaches entering 24. Raheem Morris, Gerard Mayo, Antonio Pierce, Pittsburgh's Mike Tomlin, Tampa Bay's Todd Bowles. I think it was Todd Bowles who said somebody asked him a question this year about some kind of benchmark or something about being a black coach. And he was just like, I don't. Why do you have to, why does that matter about me being black? Why, do, why is that always the first, I'm paraphrasing, but he was a little annoyed that that is always brought up to him when he's been a coach in the league for a long time. And then D'Amico Ryans for Houston to finish off that list. Sorry. The other minority coaches are uh, Canales, who's Mexican-American, who just got picked up by the uh, by the Panthers. Uh, Mike McDaniel, who's biracial, and Robert Sala uh, for the Jets, who is Lebanese. Seahawks quarterback Geno Smith, who is black, was asked if it is encouraging to hear about the hiring of more minority head coaches such as his former quarterback's coach, uh, Canales. He answered with a resounding no. "Quote: It's 2024 and we are talking about minorities, so it's not encouraging. I think we have to get away from that talk and let people be people, but that's another topic right there. So, I think there's probably more and more players and coaches in the NFL. Well, my, my point about um, the league being two-thirds black, but the coaches not being, the, the, minority, the black coaches in the NFL not being as high, I would say, well, the the where they're pulling from to get head coaches isn't former players. None of these guys are players in the NFL. No coaches that are being hired. Um I mean, if you look at the amount of former players who are current NFL head coaches, I remember doing this a while ago, Larry, and it was like a handful. And most of them were not longtime players. They were like backup quarterbacks in the league, like a Frank Reich type for a couple of years or whatever. Um, so the idea that, well, all the players or two-thirds of the players are black, so shouldn't two-thirds of the coaches be black? The, the franchises are hiring film geeks who never played football, not only in the NFL, a lot of them didn't play in college and some not even high school. So I think there's a false balancing act there of trying to make coaches the percentage the same as the, as the players. I mean, there haven't been a lot of good NFL players, first of all, as head coaches. They don't have the interest. If they played 15 years in the NFL and proved their legacy as players, it's rare that they're like, oh, and I want to go be a head coach, like what Dion's doing in, in college. Not a lot of that in the pros. Um, anything else on that, Larry? No. You don't have anything? I just think it is disingenuous and always has been i think it's i think it's well-intentioned but i think it is wrong and i feel bad for a guy like aaron glenn who's got to go and do his stupid interview even though he knows they want johnson and are, are like working to hire him basically so it's just a box checking thing that is stupid next topic what do you got oh we got katie rosen rosen first hour look at the national headlines. How are you, Katie? Appreciate you being with us. Go ahead.
1: Thanks, guys. This show is super bad. From the Sport Hold National <laughs> News Center on Blustery, I'm really Katie well. Rosen Rosen. After the Golden State Warriors star, Clay Thompson was left out of the closing lineup for the second time in three games in Monday's 109-98 win over the Nets, the future Hall of Famer admitted it has been very hard. Well, it's been harder to watch, Clay. Geez, do you think we like watching Moses Moody and Guy Santos? How about you make a jump shot? Cheers. <laughs> a day after a historic ruling, they could change collegiate sports by allowing NCAA athletes to unionize. St. John's coach Rick Patino said the sport needs a salary cap and a new hierarchy to to thrive. Excuse me. Quote, we need to go back to the days when only I could pay players. And when restaurants had those room dividers where people couldn't see what you were doing <laughs> on your half of the restaurant. Wide receiver, Tadarius Tony too. said Monday night that in his uh, profanity-filled rant on social media that it wasn't directed at the Kansas City Chiefs. Quote, I didn't say Travis Kelsey stinks. I said, Kelsey, how much you can say by bundling home at office. <laughs> Today's Sport Hole National News is brought to you by Lawrence's Mom. From the Sport Hole News Center on Bluff Street, I'm Katie Rosen Rosen, ESPN 977.
0: <laughs> Thank you, Katie. Here from Katie again, uh, right at the top of the hour, right around 5 o'clock, with our national, our new national news correspondent.
1: Letter to the Sport Hole. You can write to the Sport Hole at 93776.
0: You can also write us at 750 Ridgeview Drive, number 204. We try to get to the mail every week. All right, first letter is from Mike. Your sport hole. Did you see Gatlin Bear is officially committed to Oregon? What a huge loss for BYU and Utah. How do you let a kid like that get away? All the best, Mike. Well, this was a kid who didn't give a crap about Utah or BYU. He's an Idaho kid. He's the fastest kid in the country. He's the number six receiver prospect in the in the country. He happens to be LDS, and he was committed to Boise State. And then when Avalos got canned, he said, "All right, I'm not going to there anymore." It was between Oregon and Michigan. He said, "Harbaugh left. Okay, now I'm going to go to Oregon with Dan Lanning," which I think is a good. Good place to go. Um, it sucks for BYU when and, and he's uh, he's a return missionary or he's going on a mission, right? So we ain't going to be playing yes. until twenty twenty six or whatever. Here's our guy Spencer McLaughlin from Locked On talking about uh, Gatlin Bear. I am supremely high on Gatlin Bear. That is Oregon's latest 2024 wide receiver commitment. Who will not be on campus for a couple of years. He'll serve the next two years a la Britton Covey at Utah on an LDS missions. Mm. Britton Covey, that's a good comp. How big is Gatlin? He's bigger than Covey and his straight line speed is like He's like a 10-1-3 hundred meter guy. What was Dominique McKenzie? Larry. Can you look at that? A couple years ago at Pineview, he and Marcus. Look up their hundred meter times. Yes. Cause they'll they'll have both you will have both McKenzie's next year. And by the way, Marcus was tremendous last season as a special team gunner for the Cougars, so looking forward to Dominique uh, running rounds and stuff. But my, yeah, I don't know what to tell you about Gatlin Bear. I know he's crazy fast and talented and really good, so it would have been nice to get him down uh, in Utah somewhere. But he big-timed you, and he went to uh, Oregon. He wants to play in the Big Ten. He wants to play Rutgers, and he wants to play Maryland and Purdue, and he wants to play uh, Iowa? Iowa? trying to think of other in the crappy echelon of the big 10 and i ran out of team. oh indiana illinois of course northwestern it just keeps going now that there's 40 teams in the big 10 you can go through 36 of them before you get to the good teams and i guess oregon is one of the good teams now in the big 10 so congratulations to uh, gatlin bear five star kid five star which is really uh high that's really good star ranking All right, next letter, Larry. This is from Shannon. Did you see Tiger Woods' new brand Sunday Red logo? What are your thoughts, Shannon? I did see what is purportedly to be the new Tiger Woods. So Tiger leaves Nike, and now he's doing his own brand. Apparently, it's going to be called Sunday Red because that's his thing, and I think it's a good name. And it's through TaylorMade, I believe. And the logo I saw was... It was it was getting hammered, but I thought it was okay. It was like the body shape of a striped tiger, but it almost looked like a... To me, it looked like a golf course. I don't know if people have seen this, but it was almost like an aerial view of a Lynx, like a golf course. And the stripes kind of helped create that look. And it was, it was fine, but... I would have gone with a the Fist Pump Tiger logo. Kind of like how Phil has the one of him jumping up in the Masters, like his Jumpman logo equivalent. I would have done that if I were Tiger. That's your most iconic thing is the Fist Pump, whether it's at the Masters he won... His late, his latest one, he kind of did two arms, I think. Going back to his first one, where he does the, he hits that putt and he fist pumps, or the other one when he does it, I would have done that. I would have done a silhouette, a la M. Jeff. When you have a, when you have yourself doing something that's so iconic, why not use that? There's not a lot of people who do that. Like Shaq tried it with the dunk, where he's hanging on the rim. It's Fine. Jordan's is obviously the best. Did anybody else do kind of a... I remember Kobe. When Kobe first came out, like in the late 90s with his Adidas shoes, there was kind of a Kobe face thing on his shoes that had the afro. I'm trying to think of other guys who have tried the silhouette. Oh, Ken Griffey. Ken Griffey's kind of sucked, but it was his iconic um, swing. And it had kind of a... It had a... Tra- like a what is that called Larry the thing on the bat just like a tracing his bat path I guess and that kind of ruined it I would have just had his body in the bat um I'm trying to think of others Larry can you think of any no so if I'm Tiger I throw the, the first one away and just go with myself pumping my fist cause I'm Tiger Woods you know what I'm saying Larry people know who I am. Any other things? Any other mail, Larry? Oh, yeah. We got Greeny on the sod stuff. This is from Jim. Uh I just read Greeny. See Greeny. uh Yes. I saw it. We don't have the audio. Greeny's complaining that the Raiders weren't prepared and they only laid the sod down for the 49ers to practice on like a week ago. Uh, it's soft or whatever. I don't know. I don't care. I was I was watching Mark Davis today talk about his hiring process of Antonio Pierce. He said, look, we got four things we look at. Raider alumni, Raider fans, the players, and the building. That's how we did it, and it was unanimous. Antonio Pierce is the guy. He's going to bring back that Raider toughness and that Raider spirit that McDaniels didn't have. Gruden may have had it, but he also had an email account. But as far as the grass, it does seem embarrassing for Davis and the Allegiant and the whatever to not have a good thing for the biggest game of the in the world to practice on or whatever, but I don't have a lot to say on that. Restaurant Review. All right, sporthold restaurant review brought to you by balanceofnature.com. That's real food, real nutrition, real science in a capsule at balanceofnature.com. Heck, balance of nature should open a restaurant. You just put a few pills on your plate. Well, what are we breaking down today, Larry? The Virgin River Buffet. I was in Skeeter this weekend, Larry, as you know. Yes. And we were craving a real, just a full mesquite experience. And so we said, we ain't eating at this fancy pants Catherine's place or whatever. Everybody talks about with the steaks. We're going to a buffet. That's seafood night on a Friday night at the Virgin River. And you go in there and you've got all the riffraff from here to Pahrump in there. Just loading their plates up with crab and it was fantastic i loved every second of it. the salad bar was great it was good crisp lettuce it was great dressing sunflower all the crap that's on salad salad bar larry and then i get into the meal um, the shrimp was good. The fried shrimp was good. I don't do the crab because I don't know how to eat it. Because I'm a I'm a, a po dunk. I'm rip I don't know what how to eat the crab. But there were people there who had no shame, as you can imagine. They go there on seafood night and they get the crab and it's it's two and a half feet of crab on their plate and they're walking they're walking back to their and their table is is just covered. We, it's falling into the into the bench in their in their booth. It's just crap everywhere, and we loved the experience. And I'm trying to think of what else, Larry it was great. I love a buffet, and I love. And people say don't go to the Virgin River because that the Eureka the Eureka's got they 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 pump in the uh, a better scent to cover up the cigarette smoke and you don't feel as whatever. But my my the guy I was with said no 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 you go to Virgin River for the buffet. Go there. It, it, sure the casino smells stronger of everything you don't want to smell, but the buffet's better. And it was. So let's rank it, Larry. How many more times will I go back to the Virgin River casino this year? One more time. I'm telling you. That's a great score for it for a buffet out of town I'm committing one more time I loved my experience 20 bucks seafood night on a Friday get you some crab if you're into that type of thing I can't figure it out so I just do the fried shrimp thank you Lawrence (laughs) gotta wrap up here buddy weekly in memoriam who's passed away or been cancelled since the last time we visited well I hate ending on this do you see me more as the respected dramatic actor or more of the beloved comic actor?
2: Whoa, 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 whoa. There's still plenty of meat on that bone. Now you take this home, throw it in a pot, add some broth, a potato, baby, you've got a stew going.
0: Yes, that's fine, uh, but I would like to focus on my acting, Mr. Weathers. I did give you my last $1,100. Let me tell you a little
2: story about acting. I was doing the Showtime <laughs> movie, Hot Ice with Ann Archer. Never once touched my per I go to crowd service... Get some raw veggies, bacon, cup of soup. <laughs> Maybe I had a stew going.
0: Rest in peace, Carl Weathers. Who's... I know it's Rocky, and I know it's Predator, and we love him in uh, Happy Gilmore, of course, as Chubbs. But my favorite role is Arrested Development playing himself and you gotta think he's playing this guy who is hungry. He's not. He's he's basically playing a hobo who's always trying to figure out how to eat in the show, and they're making fun of him. And he loves. He's willing to do that type of role. That talks about the type of uh, person Carl Weathers was, who also in the sports world played for the Raiders. We just talked about the Oakland Raiders. He played at San Diego State. Then he played for the Raiders for a year. Then I think he played the CFL. Then he got into acting. And uh, rest in peace, Carl Weathers. Thank you, Larry. Sad. And Toby Keith just passed away, too. And Toby Keith was like 70. Or, uh, excuse me, Toby Toby Keith was 62. Carl Weathers was in his 70s. Always a bummer to end the sport hole on that side. I don't know why we do that, Larry. Quick break. Back with uh, more right here on the Andy Thompson Show with Rustin Burnside. Thanks for being with us.